Today's sermon title is Not Here to Judge. Not Here to Judge. Some of you guys thinking like, oh, this can go a couple different ways. A couple different ways. Not here to judge. Not here to judge. So let me start with a story. There was a young couple, a young couple that just got married, and they moved into their first house. And one morning while they were eating breakfast, the woman noticed through the window that the neighbor was hanging up her laundry to dry. For some younger folk, to, you know, in the room, that's how we dry clothes when we didn't have a dryer back then. We hang it up outside in the yard. And yes, everybody saw your clothes. Everybody saw your clothes. And so, you know, they were, she was hanging them up, hanging the clothes up to dry. And the young lady says to her husband, like, oh, my goodness. She, those clothes don't even look clean. Like, she must not know how to wash clothes. Somebody should teach her. Somebody should really go over there and teach her how to wash her clothes because they do not look clean at all. Well, following week turned into a couple months, and every time she would, they would sit and eat breakfast, she would look out that window and while they were eating, and she would just look at her husband and be like, can you believe this? She still doesn't know how to wash clothes? So maybe it's the detergent she's using. Do you think I should go over there and say something to her? I mean, would, would, that, look, would that be bad? If I would go over there, I mean, would, would she be offended if I told her her clothes are still dirty? And her husband would just be like, he stayed quiet. He, uh, he must have picked up one of the, uh, the tips from the OGs. You know, he was a newlywed. And, you know, the tip was just like, yeah, just, you know, sometimes less words might be better. Nobody? <laughs> thank, thank you, thank you, thank you, Dennis. Anyways, a couple months passed by, and they're having breakfast, and she looks over, and she's like, Wow, look at that. She finally learned. Those clothes look great. They look like, you know, they, they look like brand new clothes. They look so clean. They, they, they look fresh from here. And she was going on and complimenting how great the clothes looked and everything. And he, she looked over to her husband and she goes, what do you think happened today? What was different? Do you think somebody went over there and taught her? Do you think she changed her detergent? What do you think he could be? He goes, you know what, I honestly, I honestly don't know what it could be. The only thing different today on my day was that I got up early and decided I should clean our windows. <laughs> All along, it was not the clothes of the neighbor that was dirty. It was the window of her own house that when she would look through that window, everyone else seemed dirty. Everyone else seemed flawed. Everyone else had the issues. Y'all know where we're getting at, right? Y'all know where we're going, right? Why is it so easy to slander somebody? Why is it so easy to judge one another? Because some of y'all, I mean, it just come easy. Like this. At the same time, we have a group of people shouting, don't judge me. The Bible says not to judge. So don't judge me as they carry on living a reckless life. Hiding behind the taken out of context scripture of not being judged. Judging or not judging is a hot topic in the church today. It's a hot topic, not that we talk about it, but that we do it. We may not talk about judging, but we're guilty of judging. We may not talk about being judged, but many of us are victims of judgment. Many of us are victims of judgment. And some of us pass judgment to others without even realizing it. Some of us don't even realize that we do it. So it's not that there's malice, it's just that we don't even realize that the way we come across can be judgmental to others. 
C.S. Lewis has a quote. There's a quote of C.S. Lewis that's saying, one of the marks of a certain type of bad man is that he cannot give up a thing himself without wanting everyone else to give it up. That is not the Christian way. An individual Christian may see it fit to give up all sorts of things for whatever reasons, right? Marriage, meat, beer, the cinema. But the moment he starts looking down his nose at other people who still use them, he has taken, he has taken the wrong turning. We all know about this, right? Because if you have children playing with certain things and one of them misbehaves and you take away a privilege, you take away a right, that child looks at you like, oh, but, but they're going to be able to play? Yeah, you're the one that's punished, right? When I was growing up and, and, and I was always the one punished. I was always the one punished. I was the oldest. I was the only boy. You know, it just all fell on my shoulders. And so many times... When things would happen, I would receive the punishment, I would get grounded and so forth, and I would watch my sisters still partake of the luxuries of life. And I would look at them angry inside. Because if I'm punished, they should be punished. If I can't watch TV, they shouldn't be able to watch TV. The thing is this, deep down inside, many of us are still like that. The scripture is clear, though. God is the judge, and we are not. We are continuing in the book of James. Man, this has been, I don't know. I know some of y'all are like, we still in James? Listen, this has been good. This has been good for me. I don't know about you guys, but it's been good for me. I've been enjoying this. Um, James, we're in James chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. Just two verses today. And it goes... And in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we read, Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone, who gave the law, is the judge. He alone, who gave the law, is the judge. He has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? James is leaving no stone unturned. If you have been following in this series of James and all the sermons that we've been going through it, I mean, he is tackling every subject that pertains to the body of Christ. Any subject that is happening within the church, any subject that is, that is a real issue, a real problem within the church. It's like if James created the first for dummies book, Christianity for dummies. That, that's, that's like, that should be the nickname for James, Christianity for dummies. Y'all know what I'm talking about, the dummies books, right? Because... Everything we need to know on living a Christian life can be found in the book of James. He's hitting all the main things. If you don't, okay, okay, so if you don't speak evil against others, he's telling us don't speak evil against others, no slandering, no judging. Camille and I have served in ministry for about 13 years together, together, together. And in those 13 years, we can't tell you how many people that we have seen that have been pushed away from the church by the church. I'm t- listen to what I'm saying. We have seen so many people that have been pushed away from God by the people who say they represent God. If we were to try to put a list together of how many people, that list, I mean, we, it's like we lose count after, after, after so many. There have been countless stories after stories of, well, I was in church one day and someone looked at my clothes and said, wait, you're coming in here like that? 
and I was ashamed and I never went back again. There's a story of a gentleman that went to a church and they looked at him and it says, listen, if you want to come back next week, make sure you shave your beard. It happened to my brother-in-law. You know how happy we were to hear that he had taken the steps to go to a church? When he told us that day that he was going to church, we were like, praise God, because we've been praying for him. And some of the guys met him at the Super Bowl party, right? He's a good guy. He's funny. He's hilarious. But he needs Jesus. And when he told us he walked into that church, we were both celebrating. We were praising God. And then he called us that night. He's like, yo, I ain't going back. I said, what happened? He's like, yo, they told me that if I wanted to go back, I got to shave my beard? And I was like, oh, my God. Why? And then, you know, the brother in me wants to go to that church and talk to the pastor and be like, do you know what you just did? A nice conversation, guys. Why y'all thinking wrong? Why are you thinking wrong? Time after time. Time at time, real stories of people. I mean, the, the close things was a real story that happened when we were youth pastors. We had a young man come into our youth uh, on a Friday night, uh, uh, accept Christ into his life on a Friday night during youth group. He comes to church so excited on Sunday. And because he didn't have that many clothes, I mean, he went with like jeans and a T-shirt, which by the way, you can go to church with jeans and a T-shirt. Anyways, he comes to church and the thing is, there was a gentleman in the church that because he liked to wear suits, which, by the way, if you want to wear a suit at Lighthouse, wear a suit at Lighthouse, okay? You guys might see me in a suit every once in a blue, right? But the thing is, like, if you want to wear a suit, wear a suit. And if you don't, then don't. But don't criticize either side. So a guy that liked wearing suits all the time approached this young man and says, listen, you know that... That, you know, you, you, you're disrespecting the Lord the way you look. And he felt so bad. Because obviously he was so excited about receiving Christ and being this new Christian. And the first thing that he's hearing on a Sunday is that you're disrespecting God by the way you look. It broke him. And he stepped away from church for four or five years. And thank God that, that, that God brought him back. And he's in love with the Lord, and he's on fire for God, and he's doing great things. God is using him greatly. These are real stories. They were direct, people were direct, you know, some people are directly mistreated by people. You know, they come and excited, like, hey, go on. Yes, God bless. Just have a seat over there. Could you just have a seat, please? That's not Miguel. I'm just saying. <laughs> some were looked down upon. Some were looked down upon because of their past. Omar comes in like, oh, yo, you know that dude, Omar? Yo, remember back in the days? I can't believe he's even in church right now. Who wants to go back to that? Who wants to hear that? You came to church because you want to find, you want to find, you, uh, uh, grow your relationship closer with the Lord. You want to fellowship with your brothers and sisters. You want to hear the word of God. You want to spend time in worship with your, with, your, with your brethren, right? Who wants to hear things like that? There's definitely a reason why James decides to add this to his Christianity for Dummies book. This was a problem. <laughs> what? This is a problem. This is an issue. Um, we look at verse 11. He's, it says, uh, don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. James has spoken to us about <clears throat> showing God love by being humble. And now he's speaking to us about showing love to our neighbor by refusing to speak evil against them. Speaking evil about others comes in many forms. I mean, we, you know, the obvious is straight bad things about a person, right? But you know, we can speak evil about somebody and still tell the truth. You know? 
<laughs> Did you know? Did you know that Mo? Mo crashed his car three times? I don't know if he should have his license or not. I'm not. Well, did Mo crash his car three times? In the story, yes. In real life, no. But the thing is this. Even if it's true, what's the, what is your motive behind speaking this? Are you building him up or are you tearing him down? What is the motive behind telling the truth about some people to others unless you are building them up? You know, you can speak evil by spreading gossip that people just have no business knowing. You can speak evil by questioning someone's authority or nullifying their good work by backbiting. In the ministry, in church, here in, in this body of Christ, there are many people that serve, many people that give of their time, many people that take the time to, to prepare themselves so they can make themselves available to you. And the worst thing is to go behind a person that is serving the kingdom to then like, ruin all the work that they're doing, Right? If we're talking about submitting and, and we talk about submitting and Chanel opens about submitting and all of a sudden somebody turns around and is like, you don't got to listen to that person. You're your own person. You're grown. You are speaking evil against the person that was teaching and preaching truth and causing discord within the body of Christ. Disrupting the harmony of believers. There's a problem there. There's a problem there. So the Greek verb used in the original text, <clears throat> here it goes, ready? Is katalaleo. Katalaleo. You say that like 20 times, right? Katalaleo. And in speaking evil, this word includes destructive verbal attacks, right? False accusations. So when you say something about someone that isn't true, you are also speaking against that person. Yo, Vanessa always be talking about people. Vanessa, don't tell Vanessa anything because she's going to tell the world. That's not true. I just spoke against my sister by falsely accusing her in an area that is, is not true at all. James, he repeats this verb, and we see it as if you criticize, right? If you cri criticize, so if you speak evil, if you criticize. But he adds another verb, and, and it, it pretty much is to judge. And when he adds this verb to judge, he's making it clear that speaking against someone is a form of judgment. This is important to understand because sometimes we, we want to separate the two. I just said something about somebody. I'm not judging them. No, no, no. When we talk against our brothers and sisters, we are judging them. This is important to understand so that when we feel like we're going to do it, we are reminded <coughs> that we are not here to judge. We are not here to judge. In, the verse, in these verses, James mentions God's law, and it's the law that frees. It's the law that convicts. It's the law that must be kept. Well, what law is it? You know, like, you, know you hear James talk, and this is by the, by the time we get to these verses, James has referenced the law like six or seven times throughout the, the, his, his book, his, his chapters, right? What law is he referring to? Well, let's take a look at several verses that, that describe this. First is found in Exodus 20, verse 16. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. Who knows what commandment that is? Ooh, somebody was close. The ninth commandment. That's all right. It's still early, right? Nobody some of you guys haven't had your coffee yet. It's the ninth commandment. But most importantly, we violate this when we, vi we violate this when we violate 
the more fundamental law of Christ, which is found in Matthew 22, verse 39. And it says, and the second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. We can even look back in Leviticus. Some of you are like, Leviticus, Pastor? Seriously? Yes, Leviticus, chapter 19, verse 16 to 18. And this one goes into a little more detail about some things. Listen to this. Do not spread slanderous gossip among your people. Do not stand idly by when your neighbor's life is threatened. I am the Lord. Do not nurse hatred in your heart for any of your relatives. Confront people directly so you will not be held guilty for their sin. Wait, wait, let's, let's go, go put, turn that back one more time. Turn it back one more time uh, so they can read that. I want them to read that one more. Go, can you go back? It says, okay, I'll read it then. I'll read it here. Do not nurse hatred in your heart for any of your relatives. Confront people directly so you will not be held guilty for their sin. We all got family drama. Who doesn't? Anybody? Anybody? We'll pray for forgiveness for lying later. (laughs) Everybody got some form of drama. Everybody got that uncle, that cousin, that sister, that somebody, right? It says, do not seek revenge. Or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite. But love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. It's like when he says, I am the Lord, that's a mic drop. That's God's mic drop. He's telling you something. Listen, I am the Lord. Drop. And he walks away. Meaning there should be no discussion. There should be no second guessing. There should be no, this is what I said and this is how it is. But yet we struggle with these things. I mean, it's so black and white. There's no gray area in between it, and we still struggle with it. Jesus, when Jesus tells us to love our neighbor, he calls this the second greatest commandment. Second to the first being, love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. If a believer speaks against another believer... He is criticizing and condemning the law because he is not showing love to his neighbor. It's going to feel like we say some things several times this morning, but it's so that you can understand the seriousness, the seriousness of what, what we're doing when we do these things. Disobedience to this law shows, um, disobedience to this shows disregard for the law. And as a result, it pa- you know, we pass judgment on others, and by doing so, we're actually trying to put ourselves above God. And let me explain that. Because when we judge one another in a slanderous way, we are clearly sub- uh, failing to submit to God. So think about this. When we find ourselves criticizing or judging others, According to the verse, James says that we are judging God's law. When we judge others and slander others and criticize others, we are judging the law of God. And if we are judging the law of God, right, aren't we really judging God? And that's a scary place to be. Which you're pretty much saying, like, God, you, just, you, you messed up. Let me, let me, let me I, know, I know better right now. You, you messed up, I'll fix it. You must, you, you must have made a mistake because this person got issues. You must, have, you must have forgot, you know, to, all right. Y'all get the point. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. the funny thing is that many times when we judge other people we make fools of ourselves we make fools of ourselves 
So there's a story about uh, a man named Bishop Potter. Bishop Potter. And this apparently is a true story, right? I don't know what year. I don't know where's he from. Bishop Potter was sailing for Europe back in the day when this was one of those main forms of transports, right? He's sailing for Europe on one of those big transatlantic ocean liners. You know, this wasn't really a cruise. I guess this was like cruise boats before they were cruise boats. Like, it was like a cruise with no entertainment. That's what it is. No entertainment whatsoever. You have your room, and it was going to take you from one place to another. And so Bishop uh, Potter, he boards the ship. He goes to his assigned room, his cabin, and he realizes that he has a roommate. And after spending a couple moments, because you know how it is. I mean, I don't know. Not everybody kind of meets a roommate for the first time. But if you uh, were in that situation, you know that that first 10 minutes is a little awkward. You know you have to sleep with someone in the same room, and you don't know this person. So you try to figure someone out in 10 minutes. Well, after 10 minutes, this bishop makes his way to the captain's office. And he says, hey, Captain, listen, I usually wouldn't do this. I usually don't feel, you know, the need to do this, but can you do me a big favor? And the captain says, sure, what, what do you need? He says, I have this gold watch and these valuables, and I want to know if I can keep them in the, in the ship's safe. I met my roommate, and he's a little on the sketchy side. I don't know if I can trust him or not. He doesn't, he doesn't seem trustworthy. The captain took his valuables and agreed, and he said, it's all right, Bishop. I'll be glad to take care of them for you. As a matter of fact, your roommate was just here a few moments ago and left his for the same reason. <laughs> Judging others is not our job. It's God's job. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 5. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 to 5, and it says this, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye, when you can't see past the log in your own eye. Hypocrite. The first, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you, will see well, uh, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. If you don't, you know, a speck is probably like a splinter. If you guys want to look at it, you know, you expect a splinter and a log is obviously where splinters come from. <laughs> James isn't the only person that tells us not to judge. If we read in the Bible, we hear Paul say it, we hear Peter say it, we hear John say it. James is saying it, but most importantly, Jesus is saying it. He tells us not to judge others or you will be judged. In fact, he goes on to say that when you judge someone, you set the standard by how you will be judged. So, if you find yourself here today, or watching online today, as someone that is so easily able to speak criticism about another, you find yourself so easily able to slander another, to judge another, then in that same ease, you will be judged, slandered, and criticized. Sometimes we wonder, like, why are people always talking about me? Why is this slandering me? Why, why they criticize me? Do we do that? Are you guilty of that? Are you guilty of having that loose tongue? We talked about taming the tongue several weeks ago and how important that is. This is a time, this is a time that it's, it's meant for you to reflect. You know, don't put your hands up. You've got to reflect and you've got to be honest with yourselves. Because what God wants is spiritual maturity in us. And the only way we can mature in Christ is taking the moment, taking a moment to self-reflect and be honest with ourselves and God and say, you know what, God, I'm struggling with this area. I need your help. 
I'm struggling with the tongue. I need your help. I'm struggling because I find, I find it too easy to judge people. I need your help. I find it too easy to criticize. I need your help. Yo, we all had that friend in high school, yo, that, that he would be like, I know now they call it roasting as like for fun. But you had that friend in high school that was roasting people all the time. Like he had something to say about everybody all the time, every, like day and night. Sometimes it was, you know, it was, everyone would laugh and sometimes it would hurt feelings. We need to be honest and be like, God, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with this. And, and, and you know what? When I try not to do it, I end up doing it again. I need your help. I need your help. Next time you criticize someone, think about someone criticizing you. Jesus tells us to take care of our own issues before we try to fix. Fix. Because, you know, we, we fix, right? someone else's problems. Isn't it funny how there are some people, not in this church because, you know, I know you guys all well, but there are some people that always have the solution for you and your problems. They always know what you need to do. They always know what you need to do, where you need to go, how you need to speak, how you need to act. They know everything about what you should do to straighten your life out and will do zero to apply to their own. And this is what the verse is talking about. Like, yo, you got your own issues. And many times you're trying to help someone else and you can't because you got to help yourself first. (laughs) Judging isn't our job. And when we make it our job, in essence, we're trying to make ourselves God. Since you're not up to the task, God, I'll handle it for you. Since you're not up to the task, God, and you must be falling short somewhere, maybe you're too busy. Maybe you're too busy. Maybe you're not sovereign enough. Maybe you're not almighty enough. Maybe you're not all-knowing. Maybe you aren't the beginning or the last, so therefore you maybe, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll step in. I'll step in and, and, and do the judging for you because you're falling short in some areas. It sounds so bad to say that out loud. Even I was like, <laughs> God, you know the point I'm making, though. You know the point I'm making. It sounds so bad to say that out loud. But we do that with no words when we criticize, we slander, and we judge our brothers and sisters in Christ. Anyone. So why don't we just let God be God and we'll work on being ourselves, looking in the mirror and fixing within us that needs to be fixed. Let that be homework tonight. You guys got homework on a Sunday. Yo, this isn't Thursday night Bible. Yeah, I know. But this is good homework. It's going to help each and every one of us. Look in the mirror. Take a moment, any time, look in the mirror. God, where am I falling short? God, what are the things in my life that you aren't happy with? I need you to take it from me. The central point of these scriptures that we're we're reading today is that God alone is the judge. I mean, I've been saying that like like enough, right? If you don't remember anything when you leave here, like, well, God is judged. I'm not here to judge. Pastor Chuck Swindle was going to speak at a pastor's conference. Before the conference... A man approached him and told him how excited he was. And he was looking forward to hearing the pastor speak. It had been his dream. I, I, can't, wait to, I can't wait to hear you speak. And Pastor Swindle was like, all right, hey, oh, great. You know, I'll, I'll see you this evening. And that night at the conference, minutes into Pastor Chuck's message, 
he notices that that same man that approached him that was so excited to hear him preach was sleeping. <laughs> was knocked out in the seat. You know, the worst thing is, like, when you're up front and you fall asleep. That's the worst thing. So he's, he's falling asleep, and at first, you know, he, you, know, you, you got to redirect, you know, redirect your eyes so that you can continue preaching, right? And, and so he goes on with the message, and he, he finishes, and later he's like, oh, man, I guess something must have happened. You know, he must have been really tired. But then more time went by, you know, the rest of the evening went by, and he's like, no, he shouldn't have fallen asleep. How could he fall asleep? And he got angry, and he started to get angry. He's like, how is he going to come and tell me that he can't wait for me to preach, that he's been looking forward to it, and then the second I start, minutes into it, he's asleep. I'm offended. I'm angry. What kind of, what kind of, what kind of pastor is he? It was the pastor's convention. What kind of pastor is that that will fall asleep in the, middle, in the beginning of a sermon? Because, you know, the excuse is after, what, after you reach 45 minutes, I mean, I can't, you know. Don't worry, we got like six minutes left. <laughs> he was bothered with it. And on the last night of the conference, that pastor's wife, the one who fell asleep, his wife went up to Pastor Chuck. And she said to Pastor Chuck, she said, um, I apologize for my husband falling asleep during your sermon. You see, he has been diagnosed with terminal cancer. And the medicine he takes, it just, no matter how hard he tries, it puts him to sleep. She goes, but you know what? It has been his lifelong dream to see you in person and to hear you preach the word of God. And even though it was for a few moments, he was able to fulfill that dream before dying. How do you think Pastor Chuck felt at that point? The point of that story is to, to say that we cannot see inside the hearts of people. But God can. Therefore, it makes us unqualified to judge. We are not qualified to judge because we cannot see the heart of another. In verse 12, it says, God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do we have to judge a neighbor? God alone is the sole judge. God alone is both the source and the enforcer of the law. We who are accountable to God's law cannot put ourselves in God's place. God rewards those who obey the law and destroy those who disobey it. Behind a critical spirit is an attitude that tries to take the position of God and authority and is full of pride. There should be no critical or harsh fault finding in the body of Christ. Fault finding can't speak too much of this because we already have 40 minutes. But I'm going to tell you something, guys. It's when you are taking the time of, you know, time out of your life to look for things that are wrong in other people. There are people that will spend their entire lives looking to see what is wrong with someone else. Live a little. Like you have your own life. Worry about your own self. Fault finding, taking the time of you, out of your life to look and pick at other people at the things that you don't know, like. Psh, that guy Carlos, no, he can't stay still. He always mowing the lawn. He mows the whole neighborhood's lawn. He mows his lawn. He mows my dad's lawn. He mows the back neighbor's lawn. 
That's a true story, by the way. That's, that's something, that's, something that, that, that's, that's honorable, right? But people will take that and try to turn it for the negative. Yo, you messed up, man. You, you, how could you do that? I, they, they, turn, they put neg- a negative anno- uh, connotation to something that is honorable. Fault finding, just finding things that you can try to make bad, make someone else look wrong, make someone else look less spiritual than you. Because there's a spiritual competition in the body of Christ. We all want to be more spiritual than the other. That's not what God wants. Now, more importantly, we understand that this is important. I want y'all to get this. This principle doesn't mean that the church cannot take proper action against a member who is acting in obvious disobedience to God. So, oh, you can't judge me, you can't judge me. We're talking, the whole message is about not judging our brothers and sisters, right? Because we don't know their heart. We can't judge their heart because we don't see their heart. But we can see blatant disobedience to the word of God. And so when you are called upon and and the things that you are doing that go against the word of God has been brought to light in a conversation, that is not the time or place to say, Pastor, you can't judge me. I'm not judging you. I'm pointing out the facts. The word says this, and you did that. The word says left, and you went right. It says up, and you went down. There's nothing to judge about that. I'm not judging what your heart is. It's obvious what you've done. Okay? Because this is where the world takes it, and they want to hold on to. The Bible says you can't judge me. And then in the church, those Christians Those, not here, those Christians that want to live on the line, right? Today I love God, today I love the world. Today I love God, today I love the world. Today I love God, today I love the world. Today I love God. Listen, those are the people that will tell you, you can't judge me. Only God knows my heart. Oh, yes, he does, girl. Yes, he does, homie. He does know your heart. I'd rather you know my heart than God know my heart. Because you can't sentence me to eternal damnation. All right. All right. That's a little deep. All right. What James is concerned about is with the critical speech that condemns or judges someone else's standing with God. I can't, I can't judge you in your walk with God. Now, I can see sometimes, hey, maybe you should try a little harder I don't know what you do at home, but some things are evident. Those that are seeking God, truly seeking him, you're going to see the difference of their relationship with God than those that are not. It's going to be evident to everyone around them, okay? He's confronting individuals who might be tempted to set themselves up as personal watchdogs on other believers, Judging others and criticizing others, hiding behind the excuse that they are looking out for the rest. This sounds familiar because in the Bible, in the New Testament, there was a group of men, who were they, um, Pharisees? Pharisees, right? Right? Is that the word? Yeah, yeah. That they would walk around all holy pointing out the flaws in others, saying that they were protecting the faith, defending, protecting. First of all, it's not your job to protect the faith. God doesn't need our help protecting anything. God is all-powerful. He does not need us to protect the faith. What he needs us to do is to represent it well. He needs you to represent it well by how you live your life. 
Don't worry about protecting the faith. God will do that. He just needs you as an individual, each and every one of you, to represent it well. And we're guilty of this. Many of us are guilty of this, and, and we don't realize it because, I mean, and we see it so much, especially with social media. It's so easy with social media. Any pastor that's on social media that has more than 100 members, it's probably somebody says something bad about them somewhere. Somebody says something about a pastor somewhere. Somebody says things about me somewhere. I don't care what you say. No. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you say. Yeah. Listen, I mean, it's going to happen. And what happens is this. Like, why are we we're wasting so much precious, valuable time focusing on pointing out all the negative things in our brothers and sisters where we should be uplifting one another? And let me tell you something. If you do notice something negative, because, I mean, some things are obvious. There are some pastors that have been led astray and say some weird stuff here and there, right? Like, our job shouldn't be to to slander and criticize them, but to pray for them. To pray for them. How are you helping the kingdom by, uh, by, by, by attacking a man or a woman of God who has said something incorrectly? How are you expanding the kingdom by saying negative things all the time about our servants, his servants? You bring, you bring discord amongst the believers. You bring discord against those that are not Christians. Like, they always fighting them. They always fight. I don't want to be no Christian. I don't want to be no Christian. They're always saying stuff about somebody. This, this is a problem that we're having. This is a problem that we're having today. This is real. It wasn't just in the church at the time of James when he wrote this. That's why the word says, that's why we say the word is alive. Like, it applies today. It applies today. We should pray for them. Pray when you see someone falling short, when you see someone who's done something wrong, when you see someone that has said something incorrectly, that goes against the word of God, that is a false doctrine, that is a, pray for them. Because the wrath of God will reach them. Pray for them. I mean, we're supposed to love our brothers and sisters. And if you know that there's a brother or a sister that has been led astray, that has been looking at the wrong thing, follow a wrong doctrine, pray for them because they will one day have to confront the wrath of God. Pray for them. When we fail to love, we are breaking God's law. We need to examine ourselves, our attitude, our actions toward others. Are we building people up? Are we tearing them down? What is the motive? What are we, what's the point? What are we doing? What are we doing? We should all be, and I say this all the time, we should all be building and motivating and encouraging one another. Because the world does, it doesn't do that to us. The world will tear us down. This should be a place where we come together to hear the word of God, to worship one another, to eat together, to break bread together, to go have fun together, but to encourage one another. We should all leave here feeling better and motivated and encouraged every time you come into this building. Anytime you gather with one another in a home, you should leave feeling encouraged and motivated. There was once a little boy who was excited and told his mom that he had just measured himself and that he was six feet tall. And his mom looked at him like, oh, really? Uh, can you measure yourself again? And I just want to see you measure yourself. So she walked over and he took the ruler that he had and, and, and indeed it was six rulers. He was six rulers high. The thing was that he was using a six-inch ruler as opposed to a 12-inch ruler. So he just assumed that he was six feet when in reality, he was three feet. That's a big difference. He had calculated correctly because he, he was six rulers tall. He has used the wrong ruler, the wrong standard. We often fall into the same problem with ourselves. We often judge ourselves by a different standard than we judge others with. Because God is the only, God is the only one who see, who's all-seeing, all-knowing. Only he has the right to judge. 
Romans 2, verse 1. Romans 2, verse 1. It says this. You may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad. And you have no excuse. When you say that they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself. For you who judge others do these very same things. Church, when we look at other people to judge, there are some things that we can't see, right? We can see what they're wearing. We can see what they are doing. We can hear what they're saying. However, there are many things that we cannot see. We can't see what their day has been like. We cannot see the struggles that they're dealing with by themselves. Because we all know that there are some things that, there are some struggles that we have that we're trying to push on on our own. We don't want to put the burden on our loved ones. or We feel that it's a burden if we put it on our loved ones. So we want to battle through this alone. And the world doesn't know those battles. We cannot see the obstacles that they face. We cannot see the hurt that they're dealing with. We don't know the past stories of some people. We don't, we don't know a lot. Most importantly, like I've mentioned before, we can't see their hearts. We judge by what we can see. That's what we judge by. But God judges by what only he can see. We need to stop and recognize that they may be going through things that we just may have no clue about. You ever think about that? And I've, I use this example when you, you come in front, you, you get confronted with some, like, nasty people, some people that, like, are really just not too pleasant, and they're angry, and, and, and they, they treat you badly. Your first reaction is like, yo, don't talk to me like that. You know, the first reaction is to react in a way to defend yourself because you feel like you shouldn't have been spoken to that way. But has anyone ever taken the moment to be like, man, I wonder what this person is going through, that they, it, 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 it spilled out to the way they speak to me? What have they gone through at home? What's going on in their lives that at work they're miserable? At work that they're so angry? What, what, what's going on in their lives? Stop and take the consideration that, yo, some people have gone through some stuff in life. Some people have gone through some hard lives. I don't know what a really hard life is. Because I was blessed to, to have my parents, both of them, and they did their best. Sometimes they did, they, they did too much. Because what happens is part of my stepping away from God when I did, was a result of not being exposed to the nasty things of Christianity. Let me explain that. The nasty things that happen in church. The, 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 the drama, the, the, the real life problems that churches have. My parents did a really good job sheltering me from it so much that when it happened, I couldn't believe. Like, wait, this happens in church? And it was a turnoff for me. They did such a great job. They meant so. They, they did it because they loved me, but it, it hurt me because when I was confronted with that, I had to take a break. A break. Let's be reminded today that we are not qualified to judge because we are not God. Can you guys stand to your feet, please?
Let's be reminded that when we feel the need to criticize someone, when we feel the need to slander someone, when we feel the need to judge someone, try to flip it around. Since that person is already on your mind, since that person is already on your mind, take a moment and pray for them. Take a moment and pray for them. Do you know that God does something undescribable within your life when you take a moment to pray for someone that does not rate your time, your attention, or your focus? Because of maybe things that they have done to you, things that they have said to you, the way they've treated you, when you start to take a moment and says, God, look at, look at Taina, Lord. Lord, you know, she just always talking this stuff, always coming at me all the time. She always coming, always has something negative to say about me. She always has this and that, this and that. But you know what, God? Help her. Lord, I don't know what she's going through, but change her heart. Help her see better. It's just joking. Taina doesn't do that. But you know that when we take a time to pray for someone else that has hurt you, someone else that has wronged you, someone else that, that, that really was trying to, like, get over on you, there's something indescribable that happens within you. This is a real problem, church. It's a real problem. That exists. A real problem that hurts so many people. All right, I'm going to end with this. I got together, uh, we got a couple of us got together for, for Kevin's birthday, and there was a young lady there. And um, she was expressing how she felt about the church. Now, I know this young lady for her younger years, and she was, she was raised in church and so forth, and, and she says, I can't go back to a church. Like, I guess they'll crucify me. The place will burn down. Or, you know, she just went through a list of, like, I just, I'm, I've been so horrible. I said, why do you say that? And in conversation, you get the response that when she has fallen short, when she has failed God in her life, Instead of people coming around her to embrace her, instead of the church coming to her and saying, sweetheart, darling, here, let me help you back up so that we can walk together, the church in her experience kicked her while she was down, pointed at her failures, publicizing, like, look at you, look at the things that you're doing, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. That's like, okay, they know they're wrong. We know we're wrong when we're wrong. We don't need to be kicked while we're already down. Do you know the damage that we do? We are to love one another. If anyone you love falls, you run to make sure they're okay, and you help them back up. As brothers and sisters in Christ, when we fall short, when we fall, when we sin, when we mess up, we need to run to one another and lift them up. It's all right. Listen, let's focus. Let's keep our eyes ahead. Don't, 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 don't look back. Don't look back. We, we, we got this. You need to surround yourself with men and women of God that are going to lift you up when you fall. So today, as we prepare for the altar um, can the prayer team come up prayer team Dennis can you join us too because I just have a feeling that, that a lot of us need prayer today because some of us and many of us have been victims of judgment many of us have been judged in our walk with God, we've been judged. In our relationships, we've been judged. In our, in, in, our, in our communities, we've been judged. Many of us have been victims of judgment. 
and somewhere along the line, it hurt you. It hurt you. It made you doubt that God could use you in the way that he is preparing to use you. It made you doubt that what God did in your life, he truly did. Well, I thought I was set free from this, but by hearing this person tell me this, I guess I'm still a mess. And some of us here today are guilty of judgment. We're guilty of being the judges. And some of us don't want to be like that anymore. And you don't have to be like that anymore. There's deliverance from that today. When this is completely understood and the body of Christ reflects the verses that we read, there's unity, there's harmony, and there is power in the body. If you guys could bow your heads with me this morning. Father God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for speaking to us on a topic that many of us struggle with one way or the other. Today, there are many of us here that are victims of judgment and that we have experienced pain and hurt by the church, by Christians, or by anyone else. We've been hurt because we've been judged, Lord. But today, you want to heal that pain. Today, you want to restore us and remind us that when we come to you and when we ask for forgiveness, and when we leave it at your feet, you cast our sin as far as the east is from the west. Jesus. As we're standing there today, the altar is open. I ask you just to take a step of faith forward today. A step of faith saying, you know what? I've been broken and I've been hurt, but I want healing. A step that says, I've been spoken about, I've been criticized, I've been judged, but I want healing. Take a step forward. Come up to the front because today is a day that God is going to heal those broken. Those, those, he's going he's gonna to mend. He's going to heal. He's going to restore. We have, the church has done so much harm to, in that area to so many. We've pushed so many people away from Christ. We need to get this. We need to get this church. We will never be perfect. Lighthouse will never be perfect. I will never be perfect. But if we can love one another, if we can keep from judgment, Lord Jesus, Some of us are struggling because we have been the ones judging. We have been the ones criticizing. We have been the ones with those, with those loose tongues. And, Lord, today we need you, Lord, because we've tried to stop on our own, but we need you. The altar is open. The altar is open. Father God. Father God, we need you. We need you, Lord. There are too many men and women that have been turned off, turned away because of their experience with other Christians. Lord, we don't want that to be us. We don't want that to be us. Help us, Lord to be your hands and feet. Fill us with your love. Fill us with your presence. In the name of Jesus. 
Amen. Amen.